you know if the Oscars get to still exist in a year where nobody goes to the movie theater, then by all means, we here at the Baseball Elite Podcast, we get to mix our pastimes and and we're going to hand out some Oscar nominations for fantasy baseball. That's right. That's what we're going to do today. Uh, The Oscars did their nominations on Monday morning. So today, Ray Flowers and I, we're going to take a look at some fantasy baseball Oscar nominations for 2021. That and a whole lot more coming up on the Baseball Elite Podcast. Brand new week with the podcast and and Ray Flowers. That means that uh, maybe, oh, maybe this will be the week where you have like seven days of joy and seven days of happiness. And maybe, Ray, you'll get seven days of great Twitter interaction and and seven days of appreciating all the humanity around you. That that can still happen this week, right? It could. Um, based on my experience, it'd be asking an awful lot for seven straight days of that, Kyle, but I'll keep my fingers crossed. How was your weekend? I'm guessing uh, just more fantasy baseball prep. You and I kind of mm-hmm. got a break from all the, uh, you know, expert leagues and such. It was kind of a down weekend, but uh, that'll that'll change this upcoming weekend with Tout Wars. We had mm-hmm. labor the weekend before. We've got more expert drafts coming up on the back end of March, but I kind of felt like I got a breather this weekend. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing is I kind of felt like the breather starts today. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I get your, I mean, I get your point. Uh, it, it, it's a very busy time and woe is, is us, right? Like tough jobs we have. But yeah, it's a, it's really busy. And, you know, at Fantasy Guru, we've been trying to get things going. We got the got the rankings updated, did all that kind of stuff. We're rolling out these podcasts. We're, we're throwing, continually throwing up articles. We had a lot of head-to-head stuff last week. Uh, we had stuff on lefty righty breakdowns from Jeff Manns, ADP reports from Vlad Sedler. So there's a lot going on, Kyle, and it's, it's been a lot of fun. And we're in the home stretch now as we get ready for the start of the season. Yeah, it's a great time of year. And uh, speaking of uh, the podcast and everything at Fantasy Guru, we should note this this Monday edition is always free. Uh, for those who are maybe listening to us for the first time, you can always find the Monday edition uh, wherever you get your podcast. You can download it. Boom, it's yours every Monday. That one will be totally free. Ray and I do uh, produce some podcasts on Wednesdays and then Saturdays over the weekend. So those are available only to Fantasy Guru subscribers. And we will tell you a bit later in the show how to be a subscriber and not only get all of our extra podcasting throughout the upcoming Major League Baseball season, uh, but also to get all of Ray's writing, all of the coverage, both baseball and football, that'll be coming your way a bit later in the show. Now, before I get to today's starting nine, Ray, um, I did want to note I found another thing to complain about with baseball spring training in 2021. Late on us. Yeah, I'm Um, You know, they're just making up things mm-hmm. as they go along. And, and I don't like it. I get it, but I don't like it. Uh, last night, Ray, Dodgers and Royals. Uh, Julio Urias was making the start for the Dodgers, uh, got off to a bad start, a couple of errors, you know, hurt. And, and he was like 29 pitches in the first inning, gave up a grand slam. Um, he's down five, nothing. They yank him. Okay. Understandable. You got 30 pitches. Eh? Ray, he gets removed from the game. Mm-hmm. He comes back in the second inning. Come on. <laughs> and then he gets removed from the game in the third inning. <laughs> So, right. I don't know if this has ever happened before, Ray, that a pitcher has been removed from the same game twice. I might have seen history last night and I didn't appreciate it. Yeah. And, you know, again, it's a farce at this point. I mean, you might as well have, you know, you're just throw right handed and have him pitch underhand from 12 feet. <laughs> like I don't it's, you know, and you think about in the grand scheme, pitch counts and all this kind of stuff. OK, whatever. 
how is this preparing the players for the season? Like, what's the goal to go out there and throw 18 fastballs, six cutters, four changeups, and you're done? Like, what's the goal? Are we are we trying to – because we've always heard, and I've always been a believer in, game situations, you know, playing against an opponent, having that matter. The way they're treating it, they might as well just be playing scrimmages. I've said it before. They don't want to show Urias to the Giants, right, or an interdivision. Just play scrimmages amongst yourselves if you're going to do this. I don't understand it at all. Then you don't get money, though, Ray. Then you don't get that cash. If you, if you do scrimmages behind closed doors, you miss out on the gate. Even in 2021, you miss out on the gate. But ah, I saw that last night. And again, I was scratching my head in the month of March. Um, without further ado, let's get to our starting nine for today. Um, there will be no removals and then reinsertions, reinsertions and then removals again. We don't do that. Uh, with the starting nine here on the Baseball Elite Podcast. Here we go. Leading off things, uh, we will get to our 2021 Fantasy Baseball Oscar nominations. Uh, With our first batter of the game, we're going to take a look at the guys that will be drafted everywhere, Um, and they are up for some Oscar nominations. With the second batter in our starting nine, we'll take a look at some Oscar nominations for the Fantasy Baseball season with some players that perhaps, depending on your league size, could go undrafted. So that's where we'll start the starting nine. In the three-hole today, we had a buzzkill over the weekend. People hyping up Steven Strasburg. People hyping up Shohei Atani. That hype hit the skids just a bit. We will inform you what's going on there. Some MLB news and notes in the cleanup spot. A player profile of Sam Hilliard will come your way batting seventh. Uh, We'll get some target practice in uh, for the sixth and seventh spot in the order. Batting eighth, of course, is our random reference. We always get you that. And the stamp of approval is at nine. So, Ray, let us begin with our fantasy baseball Oscar nominations. And I should ask you off the top. No. Did Ray Flowers see a single movie this year? Because the Oscars did reveal their nominations on Monday morning. Um, There's a bunch of movies that, again, made like five bucks, I think, this year. Uh, but, but did you, you're a movie guy. I'm mm-hmm. not a movie guy. Did, did you actually see a single movie like on a streaming service even this year? Yeah. I, I mean, I watched all kinds of movies, but in terms of like a, a release, uh, I did watch wonder woman cause I have HBO max. It's folded into my $5,000 subscription to Comcast. Uh, so I watched that 1984 movie. I'm trying to think, I mean, other than like Netflix <laughs> specials, like what's that, uh, Theron one where she was like, she couldn't be killed. And so I saw a couple of those, but in terms of like going to a theater, I don't think I saw one in a theater last year. And I certainly haven't done it this year. So, so you saw one movie and frankly it was lousy, right? That wonder woman movie sucked. It was okay. I mean, I didn't mind it, but it wasn't good. Yeah. The first one was much, much better. Okay. Well, let's get to our Oscar nominations. This will be our leadoff spot in today's starting nine. And, and Ray, we've got uh, three categories. Um, we've got four candidates, four nominees in each of the categories. Uh, your job, Ray, is to give us the answer, the correct answer. So um, we're starting with guys who are known players. They're going to be drafted. You know, maybe it's the second round, the third round, the sixth round, the eighth round. But everywhere you go this year, these guys are going to be drafted. Um, a bit later, we'll kind of dig a little deeper with our Oscar nominations. I guess you could call those guys the indie flicks okay. of, of the movie season. But let's start with the big budget productions here at the beginning. Um, first up, Ray, the best out of nowhere performer to go back to being a nowhere performer. Mm. Um, this is the guy who surprised in the truncated 2020 season. 
um, and maybe is getting a little bit of hype and people think, oh, this guy can, can maybe be a fantasy star. But Ray Flowers says they're going to go back to being ordinary, if not less than ordinary. Here are the four nominees. Again, out of nowhere performers from last year, but they could go back to being nowhere performers in 2021. We have Trent Grisham, outfielder for San Diego. We have veteran catcher Sal Perez of the Kansas City Royals. We have pitcher Dylan Bundy of the L.A. Angels of Anaheim. Actually, I think it's just the Anaheim Angels now. I forget what their name is anymore. And then finally, our fourth nominee, I know he is with the New York Metropolitans, Dominic Smith. So three hitters here, Ray, one pitcher. Um, all of these guys surprised last season. Grisham, Perez, Bundy, and Dom Smith. Who is the guy that you think could fall back to the wayside back with the rest of the pack this year? The uh, Theron movie, by the way, was the old guard. Good flick. Um, Never heard of it. Yeah, good flick. Wow. Not surprising, Kyle. Um, boy, I want to say Salvador Perez, to be honest, because at 333 batting average, it could be 253. Easy. You know what I mean? But it's like he's still going to be one of the better options at catcher. He still should you know, be a 20 home run guy. So I think I'm left with Trent Grisham. And that's odd to say because, you know, his pace last year, the 10 home runs, 10 steals. I mean, this looked like a guy who was, you know, Mr. 2020 in the future, right? Like that's what he's moving toward. And it could still absolutely happen this year. But even last year with the success, he barely hit 250. I, I think that that's kind of the, the type of hitter he is in terms of batting average. So that's not really going to improve. It's very easy to see the home run total doubling, but to see the steal total being, you know, 12, 14, you know, something like that. So not, a, not that jump to 2020. So I guess I'll say him. Um, I think this is a, a pretty solid group. I think pretty much all of them have a little bit of a pullback, but I guess Grisham, I guess he's the one that concerns me the most, though, with that power-speed combination. I'm not going to be shy about drafting him. He's the guy who has the most expensive price tag. Um, amongst outfielders, his ADP right now is, you know, sometimes going in the top 15. Yeah. Pretty wild, right? Because you, you look at all the other names there, and they're, they're very obvious to, to fantasy players. You know, you've got George Springer and Starling Marte, the, the two guys with the White Sox, Jimenez and Robert. You have Bryce Harper, Bellinger, Merrifield, Azuna. You know, these are all known names. And then there's Trent Grisham bouncing around. And, and he's kind of there with Randy Arozarena. You know, you got two guys there. And Arozarena only really tore it up in September and October, so we didn't include him on this list. But two guys there that a year ago, <laughs> they were nowhere near this spot on draft day. Yeah, and uh, it is interesting to see how the, it always interesting to see how the breakout, quote unquote, players from the previous year are treated. And almost universally, there is a tendency, and you know this, I think most listeners know this, if you had a good year the year before, you fly up draft boards. If you had a so-so to bad year, you fly down. And it's, it's rare, and we, we're seeing it this year, you know, guys like Christian Yelich, there are elite-level players that struggle that tend to hold their value. Maybe they drop a round or something like that. But if you're not a top 50 player and you struggle, you plummet. And if you're outside the top 200, 250, and you have a great year, you fly up the boards. It's just the way it goes. People are, are very quick to make decisions with players that they don't consider to be elite. Let us go to our uh, second fantasy baseball Oscar nomination of the day. Uh, here is the category, the best job of acting like an ace, even though nobody thinks you're an ace. Uh, Lance Lynn, Kenta Maeda, Kyle Hendricks, and Zach Grinke. What we're looking for, Ray, are the guys that are being drafted, and, and 
some of these guys, you know, top 15, top 20, top 30 for sure at starting pitcher. But they're all guys that when you draft them, there's kind of a sigh. Like, I didn't get a guy who's awesome. I just got a guy. This guy's kind of a boring dude as my ace. But, Ray, the winner here is the guy that even though we don't get excited about being ace, you think he has the best shot of being a fantasy ace in 2021? Again, Lance Lynn, Kenta Maeda, Kyle Hendricks, and Zach Greinke. Who is your winner in this category? Yeah, I really want to give two answers here, um, which I know isn't the question, so I can't well, do we it. We could split the vote if you, well, get, if you make a strong argument. Okay, Ray, okay. Because I, I don't think Zach Greinke can be an ace. I don't think that you know he's going to be the 12th pitcher off the board this year. At the same time, when, when you talk about these four guys – I think he, you know, he's got the lowest ADP and he could perform pretty much right alongside of him. I mean, I know people look at the ERA last year and it just snuck into the fours, but that was a couple of bad outings. Granky, people might have missed this, had the best walk rate of his illustrious career. He struck out a batter an inning and he had the worst whip in four seasons. It was 1-1-3. I mean, that, those are still really good numbers. And I know he throws 87 miles an hour. Who cares? You know, is that a pitch? So I really do think that he is the best player to draft. Is he the best option as an ace? Eh, Probably not. I think that Kyle Hendricks, it's tough to say him too, Kyle, because he doesn't have the strikeouts. He's very much like Granky, but with less strikeouts. So yeah. Then you talk about Lynn and Maeda. They have to be the ones that have the best chance. But I think Maeda is being overdrafted. We've discussed previously the fact that he hasn't thrown 160 innings since his rookie season. And Lance Lynn's had some struggles in spring, and he's not necessarily a ratio guy. So, yikes. Um, I don't know, Kyle. I guess if I had to give one name, boy, I guess I'll go, go Lance Lynn. Ray. I know You're drafting him everywhere. I know I, you want to go Grinky. Well, I, I would go Granky. Let's just do it. Fine, I'll go Granky. I am drafting him everywhere because <laughs> I think he's undervalued. He throws innings and, you know, keep me around the, the league average in the strikeout column. So, yeah, what the hell, let's do it. Okay, let's get to another fantasy baseball nomination. Again, the uh, actual Oscar nominations were earlier today, so we figured uh, we'd throw out some Oscar nominations as well. Uh, We're starting with the guys that will be drafted everywhere, the very well-known names, if you will, the the Hollywood blockbusters of the fantasy industry. Uh, Ray, the best front office decision in the offseason that is being overlooked. Mm. Um, There were a lot of moves, obviously, in the offseason. Uh, but there are some that could be overlooked. And I'm talking about overlooked as in right now, they're not really catching the eye of the fantasy player. But you think when it's all said and done, we'll look back and go, wow, that guy landed in a good spot. That guy was overlooked on draft day. And look what he did. Look what he did with his new team. So here are the nominees. Uh, Taiwan Walker, now with the New York Mets. Adam Duvall with the Miami Marlins. Chris Davis being moved to the Texas Rangers and Marcus Simeon joining the Toronto Blue Jays on a one year deal uh, to an extent, Ray, I think all four moves were uh, kind of lost in the shuffle, if you will. Uh, some of these were late. Some of these were happening when other big moves were occurring, uh, which is the off season move that you think will have the biggest payoff for fantasy players. Normally I do the, Hey, I touch on each guy a little bit, but I'm just going to zero in on the answer here, Kyle. I'm not going to do the normal Ray thing. Adam Duvall. Oh, um, I didn't see. I thought you were going Simeon. Yeah. No, to me, enough people are talking Simeon and the shortstop position's deep. And, you know, if you have Simeon, you're in a great spot. But don't mistake what I'm saying. Um, but I think that it's Adam Duvall. And the reason I say that is his ADP, you know, since the start of March or with the NFBC, is like 375. 
And I wrote an article at Fantasy Guru, Randall Gritchick or Adam Duvall, and the numbers are still there. I wrote this article a month ago, basically. The numbers are still there. There's like a 180p advantage for Randall Gritchick over Adam Duvall, and it boggles my mind. Randall Gritchick may not even start for the Blue Jays. They've got three outfielders, four when you count him, and then they got Rowdy Telez, who was like their best hitter in the second half last year for the DH. I don't even know how Randall Gritchick plays, yet Adam Duvall's ADP is 100 spots lower. He's someone that, you know, if you're in a 12-team league, it sounds like he barely gets drafted. I'm in a the the an old keeper league with the guys from Fanball that we used to work with. I just picked Duvall up as the number one guy off waivers. No one even drafted him in our 12-team league. Wow. And, you know, if you look at his performance the last two years and you normalize it to 500 plate appearances, Duvall hits 38 home runs. I mean, I, with an 850 OPS. <laughs> yeah, he's but got, does he do it in Miami? That's well, the question. <laughs> he's got faults. Yeah, he's got faults. He's going to hit 245. He doesn't steal bases. But with Miami, he's playing every day. He's probably their cleanup guy. And that's yeah. a 30 homer bat. He's not. He's no different than Jock Peterson. He's, no, he's really not. I mean, he might be different than Kyle Schwarber in terms of being a baseball player. But in terms of his fantasy output, I don't see it. And by the way, Jock Peterson's ADP is 120 spots ahead, too. I just don't get it. Hmm. It, Duvall is one of those guys, and I'm looking at this lineup for the Marlins, Ray, and, and kind of the expectation. He should clean up, right? He's Very well could. Yeah, maybe absolutely. Or number yes. five, I guess they could move Aguilar, Brian Anderson around, and maybe that all. But, I mean, he's in the middle of the order, and he's older, Ray. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he got to the big leagues on the backside of, you know, the age curve, if you will. I think he's almost, you know, 32 and a half. I'm looking at it right here. So he's, he's almost 33 by the end of the year. Um, but if you're just looking for a guy in like the 27th round, I guess, yeah. uh, like it wouldn't be shocking to have him be 25, 80. Not at, it, all. not at all. It's, no. and, and the average stolen bases, none of that, but a pure home run ribby play. This guy is a, a steal based off his ADP. Yeah. Again, he's a hundred spots after Jock Peterson. If we don't just get rid of Randall Gritchick. Everyone loves Jock Peterson. Why? Because he had 36 home runs once. Did, did do, do people not see how good, if you're going to play that game, right? Adam Duvall had 16 home runs last year. No one noticed that. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I just don't get it. His skill set is like so many other guys, but for some reason, the other guys are all drafted way ahead of him. I guess the lesson is late in your draft, think. Think hard about Adam Duvall. Now let's move to the second hitter in our starting nine today, Ray. We've got more fantasy baseball Oscar nominations. Um, these are guys who probably land more in the Duvall range. Guys who, depending on your league, may go undrafted. Um, guys who, if you're in a 10-team league, probably are undrafted. So let's talk about this crew. Our first nomination, or I should say our first category with the nominations to follow. The category is the best overlooked rookie contributor now this is actually rather difficult ray because it's hard to find rookies who are overlooked because right. people <laughs> they go crazy for rookies right. even even guys who are going to start the year at single a people mm-hmm. people want to draft them mm-hmm. um so I, I don't know if this list is perfect but i i tried to find some guys that still have rookie eligibility um a couple of these guys we've kind of seen i think we're seeing them in spring training right now um, a couple of these guys may make the opening day roster, but they're not to the level of, you know, Wander Franco or Dylan Carlson or Andrew Vaughn, McKenzie Gore. They're not to the level of that. They're not being talked like these guys, but do they maybe have a slight payoff if you get them late? So these are overlooked rookie contributors for 2021. Here are the nominees. Daniel Lynch, pincher, pitcher with the uh, Kansas City Royals. Uh, Logan Gilbert, pitcher with the Seattle Mariners. Spencer Howard 
pitcher with the Philadelphia Phillies. And I'm going to throw in the name Josh Jung, third baseman with the Texas Rangers. Ray, who is the winner of the overlooked rookie contributor? I don't want to say Logan Gilbert because I think he'd come pretty quickly there with the, the Mariners. But my answer is going to be Spencer Howard. And this is an example of a guy we were talking about at the top of the podcast, right? A guy that last year everyone had to have. He had a down season. Now no one cares. He's still the same prospect he was 12 months ago. And if you look at the Phillies, we talked last week about Zach Eflin. There's an article over at the site about Zach Eflin if people want to see more about him. We talked about him. There's Wheeler there. There's Aaron Nola. And then what's the back of this Phillies rotation? Is it is it Vince Velasquez and Matt Moore? Really? We're, we think Vince Velasquez and Matt Moore are going to make 60 starts and hold yeah, down this Spencer This is the Howard. year for both those guys, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah. yeah. Sixth or seventh time, but this is going to be the yeah. year for those guys. Matt Moore, Matt Moore went around the world and came back, and now he's going to find it. Um, I, I just I look at that team and I think they're going to be a competitive team. And Velasquez, I've said for what five years now, should be in the bullpen. You know that I've said it every year. Matt Moore is a spot starter at best. Matt Moore is not a starting pitcher at the big league level at this point. He's just not. So Howard has an opportunity here that could come much sooner than it appears on the surface. And though I don't expect him to be a star right away, he should be an effective big league pitcher. Josh Jung is. Is, is a sneaky name, right? And I, the problem with Jung is I, you know, these other guys, they're pitchers. And so there's always this ability to kind of stash them and make mm-hmm. them your seventh or eighth pitcher. And, you know, you, you look at Texas. I, I don't think Texas is going to be what we would term good this year, uh, but they do have Isaiah Kiner-Falefa at, at third base. So there'd have to be an injury. Um, and then they may make another move to, to move over to a third base, like who knows, but I think in the second half of the season, like when Josh Jung gets called up, and I think he will get called up this year, um, that that will be a guy I think some people could get some oomph out of late in the year. It, it'll be a late in the year kind of thing, maybe July, August, so on and so forth. But um, I think Jung could could end up being someone in the second half we're talking about. Yeah, he doesn't have any experience above A-ball, so there's always that concern. But, you know, Connor Falefa is – he doesn't have the bat to hold down the position. He just doesn't. And so it is certainly possible that Jung in the second half of the season has a good first half. And then they say, let's give this kid a shot. Uh, it wouldn't be a first. I don't think it'd be a first half move, right? I think it's a you know second half play, but he is someone that no one is really talking about. And it's very possible he has an effect in the fantasy game in the second half. Let us go to our next category, the fantasy baseball Oscar nominations here on the Baseball Elite Podcast. The best predicted performance from a lousy spot in the batting order. We just talked about uh, Adam Duvall. With Miami, he's right there in the middle of the batting order. It's it's one of the advantages of Adam Duvall maybe putting up some big numbers. But Ray, we're at, now we're looking at the guys who, and, and this can obviously change, but this is kind of a general look at some players who have a job. Uh, they're a name that's kind of known in the fantasy world, but they've got this anchor of hitting seventh, eighth, or ninth. And it may not be every day, but it kind of looks like if the lineup's healthy and everybody else is doing their thing, these guys could be stuck at the bottom. And as we know, it's it's tougher to create numbers when you're at that spot in the order. So here are the nominees for best predicted performance from a lousy spot in the batting order. We have Gio Urshela with the New York Yankees, Austin Riley of the Atlanta Braves, J.D. Davis with the New York Mets, and Harrison Bader with the St. Louis Cardinals. Ray, who will have the best fantasy performance, even though they're kind of uh, firmly planted in the bottom half of the order? If I said Bader, would you stop doing podcasts with me? I, I wouldn't, Ray, because we're talking fantasy. Okay. And even I will admit, 
even I will admit that 1515 is not impossible for Harrison Bader. Okay. Well, I'm not I, gonna... I, I don't want to take that shot, <laughs> yeah. but it could happen for him. <laughs> I'm not going to take that shot either. Uh, I think that Ursula's ADP is low enough that, like, you know, you, you hit 275 and you get 18 home runs. Like, it's fine. He's not going to repeat 2019, but I also don't think he's exciting in the, in the same time. Um, I, I'm going to go with Austin Riley. And I think the reason I do that is because he's, we just talked to Adam Duvall. He's Adam Duvall at third base. You know, this is a player in Riley that we have seen have wondrous highs. We've seen catastrophic lows. His approach is poor at this point. There's tons of strikeouts. He did improve his contact rate last year, which if he holds on to that, there's a lot to get excited about. It's a good lineup. And when you talk Braves, there's like all, what, are there seven other guys in the lineup that you're talking about before you get to Austin Riley? I think that, you know, if everything comes together for this youngster, he's 245 and 30. You know, he's, again, he's Adam Duvall, so I'll go Austin Riley. Well, and, and he's a guy this year, Ray, because most leagues, I don't want to say every league because standards are different, but I think, yeah, I'm looking at four games last year in the outfield. So um, he probably doesn't have outfield eligibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's going to get it. He could at some point, but right now, Ray, he's penciled in to be the third baseman. This, right. you know, in, in previous years, Atlanta's kind of hemmed and hawed on what is he and where will he be. This year, they seem committed to giving him a, a, a bit of a leash at third base, at least to start the season. Yeah, and I mean, this is a back to the example I've always talked about where, you know, teams just sometimes they think anyone can play any position and it's like, can the guy physically do it? I don't know if Riley can physically do it, to be honest. I don't just think he's a good option for the outfield, but teams look at these guys and they say, we want to get the bat in. We think that they can help us there. We'll just stick him in there. Think about it. You're Austin Riley or any of these young players. You're coming to the big leagues for the first time. Everything is different. The stadium's different. The game is different. The atmosphere is different. Now you got people calling you from high school wanting tickets. You got you got to deal with 90 mile an hour sliders. Oh, and by the way, go play some position you haven't played before. It's like, what are you doing? Like, I just don't think they gave Riley the best chance to be successful. They had no choice, I guess. They had to put him out there. But now they get the chance to put him back at a position, let him just get comfortable. I think that's the way more teams should treat their young players. Two more categories to get to in our uh, fantasy baseball Oscar nominations, the big wigs in Hollywood got to do this on Monday morning. So, Hey, we're not going to let them have all the fun. We're going to do some nominations to our next category. Ray is the best old outfielder that a fantasy owner needs to get on their team. Um, These are guys, again, they're old, they're not exciting. You know, they they may be injured. Uh, they're, They're late round picks, but which one will be the best in 2021? And our nominees are, Lorenzo Kane, David Peralta, Ray's favorite, oh, yes. Justin Upton, <laughs> or Adam Eaton making the move from the National League to the American League. Back with the White Sox, uh, Adam Eaton is. Um, Ray, I know you have a favorite here, but is Justin Upton still the answer? Is he still the answer in this category? No. I mean, but here's here's the real problem. The real problem is I the the, the most stable, safe guy is Peralta. He's also not. I mean, is he appreciably better than Upton? You know, Upton still has more power. I, I, and, I, you know, if you're looking for batting average, you go Peralta. If you're looking for the counting categories, it might still be Upton. Eaton, you know, is is toward the end more than he's toward the start of his career. Now, if he stays healthy and hits second for the White Sox, first for the White Sox, he could have a huge run score total. To be honest, but, he's not going to play 100 games, no, is he? No, well, that's the thing. I, and, again, I've said this previously. I think Nick Madrigal's – a newer, younger version who's better at this point. So 
I, I, a week and a half ago, I would have said Lorenzo Cain without a question. He then had the physical setback. Sounds like it's not a big deal, um, but this is a really tough one for me. I'm still going to go with Kane. I still, I think that Kane can approximate the batting average of Peralta. I think he's the best option of the four to steal some bases, even if it's 15 to 20 and not more than that. So I'll go with Kane. All of these guys at the right point, sure, but none of them are exciting or sexy. Peralta's the safest. You, you just noted stolen bases. That leads to our final category. Um, in our fantasy baseball Oscar nominations. And Ray, it's a sleeper steal threat for 2021. We're not talking about guys who can get 30 or 40. Um, I don't even know if these guys can get 20. Uh, they might be able to, though. They've, they've all, I think, done it in their career. Um, and these are sleeper steal threats. These are guys on the back end of a draft. Uh, Ray, here is the list. And, and I, I, these guys are sleepers because last year they really didn't do well on the stolen brace front in a shortened season. But if you go back to 2019, they actually all did pretty well with stolen bases. So, so they could maybe recapture that in 2021. The nominees for the best sleeper steal threat are Elvis Andrews, now of Oakland, uh, Gerard Dyson, making hay with uh, Kansas City again, uh, Manny Margot of Tampa, and Ahmed Rosario, who is now with Cleveland. And as I noted, Ray, these guys don't really show up on any leaderboards last year with stolen bases, but they have throughout their career, all four, four of them. Yep. Cesar Hernandez is going to play second base for the Indians, and it sounds like Andres Jimenez is going to be the shortstop. Okay. I don't know how good a hitter Jimenez is. He himself can steal a base. I don't know how great a hitter he is, but I, I just look at this Indians team and it's like, look, I guess they're going to give you 145 games to Hernandez if he's healthy. Eh, you know, whatever. Josh Naylor in right field. Eh, whatever. Jake Bowers at first base, embarrassing. Oscar Mercado in center field, eh, whatever. Like, I look at this Indians team and it's like, you want to go? You want to make something happen? You got to get a mid Rosario in there. And I don't yeah, care. Play, if your, play your 25 year old. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and whether he's at second base today or shortstop tomorrow or left field, I mean, they sound like they're going to try to use him all over the place. Do it. I'm going to go on mid Rosario. Um, he, he was a steal away from going 15 20 in his last full season. He stole 24 bases the year before that in 2018. Didn't have a steal last year. It's exactly what Kyle's talking about. But he's revamped his swing. I think he's rededicated himself to the game. And I think he's he's the one player on this list that I could say, look, other than Andrews, who probably plays daily, but who cares? Uh, the other three guys, he's the one guy that could play daily, even if it's all over the place. I'll take a chance on Rosario, who, if I'm not mistaken, is also the youngest guy on the list. Awesome. Well, there we go. Those are the Oscar nominations and the Oscar winners. We don't make you wait around for like five weeks to get the winners. Uh, we give them to you right here immediately on the Baseball Elite podcast. Uh, those guys with, with Hollywood, they, they like to drag it out. Ray, Ray and I are not like that. Nah. We are here. We are, we are with you. We are for the people. We are for the fantasy player. That's what we do. Uh, had some fun with that. As we move to our uh, third spot in the batting lineup, Ray, though, um, I, I guess we'll have to, to be the buzzkill here. A uh, couple of, well, one a setback. Well, both were setbacks, one injury related, the other one just results related. Um, Steven Strasburg coming up lame again over the weekend. And Shohei Atani, a guy who people are going crazy for, just got absolutely pounded on Saturday. Let's start with Strasburg. Um, Ray had to leave early. Turns out it's a calf strain. Uh, the good news is it's not the arm. But the bad news is, is this is just Steven Strasburg. This is what you get with Steven Strasburg. I had to chuckle yesterday, Ray, when he said, you know, after the game, he's talking on the Zoom thing, Zoom thing. And 
he goes, I, I, I'm a quick healer. So, you know, I could be back in three weeks or whatever, two mm-hmm. weeks. And I, I, I laughed, Ray. A, I don't think he's a quick healer. And B, if he is a quick healer, it's only because he's had a lot of practice trying to heal. It's like, I, I see this, Ray, in a Piers minor. I get it. But it's just more of Steven Strasburg. I'm, I'm just not in on Strasburg. It's, it's just painful to, to own this guy in a season where you have no idea from week to week if he's going to be in your lineup. Yeah. I, I, even if it's minor, right. We've seen it with him. And the problem is minor with Steven. He's not a quick healer unless he's getting significant. Okay. I'll back up. He's Ben Roethlisberger. How about that? <laughs> Cause it's like, maybe he's hurt all the time. Maybe he is a quick healer. I don't know. But what I know is he has problems taking the ball every five games. And as great a talent as he is, you have to make the determination if you're willing to pay the cost. If his ADP, you know, what is his ADP right now? Let's look it up as we're talking. If his ADP was down at the bottom, right? If it was 180, who cares? It's 70 right now. So overall, not a, not a starting, just overall, it's about 68 and a half. So you're having to make the determination in the fifth round. Are you taking this guy? It's not the 15th round. It's the fifth round. And I agree with you. I, I'm not paying that price. We've dropped him in the rankings over at Fantasy Guru because of this news. This news is always likely to happen. I guess it's good at the beginning versus, you know, happening on April 10th after you've drafted him. But you know what he is. He, he, you know, carpal tunnel thing last year, barely pitched. You know what he is. It's up to you if you want to take the risk. Shohei Otani, on the other hand, Ray, I guess we're still trying to figure out exactly what he is. And, you know, again, it's not an injury as far as we know, but Saturday was bad. Um, Now, we always say, hey, who cares about spring results? I I bring it up with Otani, Ray, because people were caring about even non-spring results with Otani. Like they're, they're just seeing radar gun readings mm-hmm. and, and they're, they're amping up Shohei Atani on their draft board. Do you think Saturday in which he gave up six hits and five runs and two and a third innings, is that going to slow the, the, the walk of anybody with Shohei Atani um, when it comes to fantasy drafting? I mean, what, is that, is that going to take any helium out of his balloon or is he still surging up draft boards? He was still throwing 97 miles an hour, right? I mean, I think he's another one of these players, Otani, that you have to make the decision of, you know, how does your league handle him? Do you have the ability to manipulate your lineup on a daily basis or is it once a week? And how do you think the Angels are going to deploy him? And once you've answered those questions, that leads you to, do you draft him or not? And it's really that simple. I don't think that what happened over the weekend is going to slow the roll. No, Um, I don't think that at all. If anything, maybe it plateaus it to the point where it's reasonable because when you start hearing the guy's throwing 98 and he looks great and he's hitting 470 foot home runs, dude starts flying up draft boards. And, you know, it's still a long season. As you pointed out many, many times with Otani, when's the last time you made 25 starts? Crickets, crickets. Like, like how many, how many starts is he going to make? How's he going to look? Are they going to shut him down mid-season? Are they going to give him a three-week break in the middle? We don't know. So uh, the arm is tremendous. I don't use the one outing as a plus or a minus. I'm not changing my opinion because of it. I don't think the listener should either. Yeah, the, the big thing with Otani in three years of baseball, um, and yeah, there was an injury, of course, but it's 50 innings of, of pitching. I mean, 50 innings in three years, he's not going to suddenly throw 170 this year. It ain't happening. Um, so that, that's another thing with Otani. And, and I think most people realize he's not a normal pitcher, uh, but you need to understand what that means. How abnormal is Shohei Otani? Um, I, I don't think it ends the hype. I think people are still in on Otani, the people who like Oh, I think we lost Kyle. Well, we lost Kyle. Let me I'm send him a note here. Let's see. 
We're going to save this podcast. Either lost Kyle or he lost me. I'm just going to keep recording and see if we can get Kyle back. Um, basically, what he was saying is is the Shohei Otani situation is such that, yeah, he's a mess. Lo- let me try this again. Log out, log back in. Let's see if we can get that to work with Kyle. Um, so anyway, um, let's let's move on. We just talked about Otani. Let's move on. We'll kind of continue to follow the list here for the baseball elite podcast. I apologize for feeling like I lost myself there. I'm just trying to, the hard part is when you're doing this and you're trying to have a conversation, you you've known me, if you've listened to any of these podcasts before I can roll with anything. It's just, I'm trying to type and talk at the same time. So uh, anyway, let's uh, let's move on there to kind of some more of the news and notes uh, major league baseball right now. Alex Bregman, he's going to debut on Tuesday uh, for the Astros. Very important to see how he does. We have lowered him a little bit in the rankings at fantasy guru. At the same time, we're still, you know, he's still a guy that I'm a huge fan of. I have rostered him on multiple teams. We dropped him, I think, to sixth at the position, but he or fifth at the position behind Rendon and Machado. Uh, I still feel very good about him. He should be able to find a quick return to the lineup, a very stable approach. A lot, a lot of moving parts. Great, great understanding of the strike zone. Big fan of Alex Bregman. Yasmani Grandal with the knee issue. Now, this is, uh, he's a catcher. All right, he's got a knee issue. Wasn't supposed to be a big deal. Well, all of a sudden, now he's iffy for opening day. And uh, Grandal was obviously a top three catcher, according to most people coming in. He still could play 130 games this year. Still plenty of time for him to get healthy enough to do that. But just understand, if you're taking Grandal, the questions for opening day are legit. That's, you know, we're seeing issues with Austin Nola of late with the hand issue. We've obviously talked about JT Romuto and the issues he has dealt with. So, there are a lot of concerns that you have to have with taking a catcher early. This is one of them. When you take Yasmani Grandal early, you get the knee issue and you have some concerns. I think we've got Kyle back. Kyle, you there? I am here, Ray. Ah. I am here. I'm sorry to bail on you in the middle of the podcast. It's a, it's okay. I just kept blabbing on. So yeah, I had to go fun. get some coffee. You know, that's, I thought you that's got some before we started. <laughs> well, I had to get a refill. Right? Oh, okay. You that's, could have just said I'll be right back. And I knew you were going to blab on. Yeah. I, I missed what you were blabbing on about, though. What, what were you talking about? I just finished blabbing about Yasmani Grandal, and now we uh, can both blab about Mikel Franco joining the Orioles and whether that's exciting. Yeah, blab, blab, blab. I, I, that could be exciting, hitting home runs in Baltimore. It could um, be. The Grandal thing, you probably said this. I, Ray, a knee injury with a catcher? Forget it. I'm Wasn't out. he supposed to be okay? It's like it was no big deal. <laughs> and now it's a month? Yikes. Yeah. Um, Alex Bregman, you probably mentioned this, or or maybe you heard me mention this. um, Debuting on Tuesday, we'll Mm -hmm. cross our fingers. Hope that happens. We did get to see Jordan Alvarez over the weekend. So that was some good news. Also over the weekend, Brendan Rogers with a hamstring strain. Um, You know, Ray, it's a low end kind of guy, but there's always some interest in any Colorado player. He's got the prospect pedigree. It sounds like the strain is not severe, but I don't know if it, gives them a shot of playing on opening day. And, and, and again, it's just another hiccup in the Brendan Rogers uh, growth. It, it just hasn't happened. We've seen him a couple of times in the big leagues. The numbers aren't good. Uh, spring training has been pretty good, but now you get this injury and it kind of puts everything to a pause. Yeah. Ugh. Um, because I was the guy drafting him in the 25th round, you know, of mixed leagues and thinking that maybe I got a bargain here and maybe I, maybe you still will, you know, there's still plenty of time and all of that, but this is obviously, a player that uh, Rodgers has had injuries before. They've slowed him down before. He looks like he has the opportunity. Now we got this hiccup. Uh, the good news is it does not sound like a four-week kind of injury. Now that 
that's what it sounds like. He might go out there and run the first time and there it goes. So he, um, his ascent of draft boards has been put on pause. You take him now, if you've got the space for it, you don't take him now with the plan. He's going to be in your lineup in week one. And that leads us to our uh, fifth spot in the starting nine, Ray, our player profile. And it's not a deeper look at Brendan Rogers, but it is a deeper look at one of his teammates. And, and again, Colorado this year, Outside of Story and Blackman, maybe Tapia, there, there's a lot of question marks with this team. And even, of course, Trevor Story has question marks. You know, is he going to hang around in Colorado? And one of the question marks, Ray, um, is the uh, new everyday center fielder, it appears, for the Rockies. It's Sam Hilliard. I thought we'd spend a little time on the left-handed hitter because, Ray, it seems like in years previous, we always talked about David Dahl. Mm-hmm. You know, David Dahl was going to be the guy who would become a significant contributor for fantasy players. Never clicked. Uh, there were excuses. Now he's out of Colorado. He's with Texas. So, Ray, I guess our new guy is Sam Hilliard. Um, what we've seen of Hilliard is is very limited, but it sounds like the Rockies are ready to, to give him some run and, and to see what they can get from him on, on an everyday basis. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how this plays out. You've got Garrett Hampson, who can play the infield and the outfield. Maybe he's the second baseman if Brandon Rogers is down, and maybe that solves a little bit of the logjam. They've also got Jonathan Daza, who is kind of a Alex Verdugo type of hitter. Um, he's now 27 years old. He's never been able to break through. They're going to give that full-time opportunity to Tapia, who's 27, who's never fully broken through either. So they've got a lot of young players. They're kind of mid, young base, major league baseball players, even if they, their birth certificate doesn't say that. And right into that mix falls Hilliard, who's already 27, who hasn't done Jack anything at the big league level. The difference with him and a lot of these other guys that you talk about around his ADP is that he is a legitimate power speed option. Uh huh. Yeah, legitimate power speed option. Um, in 2019 at AAA, 35 home runs, 22 steals. You, you know, a couple of years before that in 2017, he went 20-30. I mean, in the year before that, he was 17-30. So he's, he's a legitimate 25 to 30 home run bat, and he's at least a 15 steal threat, at least. Now, the issue for him, A, is playing time. Can he hold on to what this opportunity will be? And B, his ability to make contact, at least at the major league level, has been woeful. And, you know, if you're hitting 250, if you're, if you're doing the Austin Riley thing and the team is committed to you, that's fine. I don't know if the Rockies would be committed to Hilliard if he was doing that. Even if he is doing that, though, and that's all he is, if he's doing the Austin Riley and he's stealing 18 bases, yeah. he is someone we should be talking about. Well, and, and that's what I, I want to get across with Hilliard, Ray, is if I told anybody, hey, player X is going to be at Coors Field, um, they want to make him the starter in center field. Um, and he does have a power speed combo. Those three things should make him absolutely draftable. But you look at it and Sam Hilliard is going undrafted in a lot of leagues. It's like, you got it. That guy needs to be selected even in a 12 team league, just for the purposes of an outfielder in Colorado who can steal some bases. Absolutely. I was just mentioning the, the fan ball, uh, keeper draft that we have and, I want to say it was the 25th round, and I was like, I'm taking Sam Hilliard. Like, I wasn't really looking at outfield or whatever, but I'm like, he's there. I'm doing it. And he got picked like four picks before me, and I was like, oh, hell. But, yeah, that was a 12-teamer with five starting outfielders, and he was available in the reserve rounds. And I, that's where he is being taken. And, when you know, people have all this. I'm going to take Spencer Torkelson. I'm going to take Bobby Witt. Yeah, Why are you doing yeah. that? Take Sam Hilliard if you're going to go that route. Yeah, he's going to be playing on opening day. There's a big difference between him and Spencer Torkelson because of three months of action 
that you get from a guy like Hilliard. And again, if he fails and if the Rockies bench him, you just move on. It's it's a 28th round pick. There, there's, there is literally no sunk. You know, it's, it's, it's just like, OK, whatever. It was my flyer. Now, I'll always take a flyer in Coors Field. Uh, now, moving away from that player profile, Ray, batting seventh today in the starting nine, um, kind of just what I talked about. And, and it's maybe a larger term discussion. We're going to give it a bit, of, a bit of a look-see here today. But it's the question of not only Coors Field, but a couple of other ballparks out West. And God knows if the sponsorships have changed here. I don't know. Is, is San Francisco still Oracle Park, Ray? Is that right? Um Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't. I honestly don't even know. It's so bad. I, it's so ridiculous. Just call it like we just call it. You know, use Pac Bell, use AT and T. Just call it the stadium by the water. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going with Oracle. Um, I think Safeco's changed in Seattle, but I'm going with Safeco. I think Petco's changed in San Diego, but I'm going with Petco. I'm making my own rules here for our sixth spot in the batting order. What I wanted to discuss, Ray is are the reputations of those ballparks changing? Like, I'm just saying on Sam Hilliard, hey, man, Coors Field, dude, mm-hmm. jump on it. Um, I, I think we can still safely assume that Coors Field is a mile over sea level, so that's always going to be there. Uh, but other things have perhaps changed. Uh, the ball, the humidor, um, a place like Safeco is maybe more of a hitter's park, Petco, more of a hitter's park. You even saw last year up close and personal in San Francisco, all of a sudden, that ballpark became a hitter's ballpark. What should people take away? Is it, it is it still too soon or, or should we pay attention to these things? Because I still think we suffer under this idea that, oh man, a pitcher in San Diego, that's a ballpark that helps pitchers. It really hasn't been that way for the last few years, has it? Yeah, it's and it's pretty neutral, actually. Um, I'll say this, first of all, at Fantasy Gear, we have an article, Fantasy Baseball Ballpark Factors. So I would encourage everyone to, to go and read that. And in that, article we've got the 2020 season the 2019 season the 2018 season the last full season of 2019 by lefty righty breakdown and then a a look uh, over the last three and five years okay so there's a lot of data in that fantasy baseball bar ballpark factors article um now where are we at in 2020 first thing to know is like you said We've got situations like San Francisco, which are wonky. We have the Blue Jays who didn't even play in in their home park, (laughs) right? So there's a lot of uncertainty. Ballpark factors are kind of like batting average and balls in play, right? It's like we kind of know what the thing should be. We kind of are aware that there's some, you know, up and down. But you can't look at 30 games and think you've got it figured out with the ballpark, especially last year because we didn't have weather, right? The, the first couple of months of the year, we didn't play. We had different levels of competition. Everything was interdivision, so it wasn't spread out as much. So it stands to reason that, that you know teams are getting more looks at a pitcher. They'd have some more success. Teams didn't operate their team the same way, right? They didn't necessarily uh-huh. rotate players and all that the same. And then you've just got the sample size of 30 games. You know, Teams get hot, teams get cold. Last year, it was likely one or the other for a lot of these situations. So I think that I would not, to answer your question directly, I wouldn't take too much away from last year. I would definitely at least be looking at 2019 and 2020 trying to make that determination. You know, you mentioned the Blue Jays. And for those who haven't been following it, they're not going to play in Toronto, at least for, I'd say, the first two plus months or so. Ray, they're going to play in Dunedin, mm-hmm. which is where they do spring training. 
um, just to get this out there. Um, it's, it looks like a pretty normal ballpark. You know, it's 400 to center. It's about 330 down the lines. It's an eight foot wall. But people are kind of expecting it to, to be a hitter's ballpark, I think, down there. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, I saw a bunch of people prognosticating and, you know, trying to transition this to that. And I think the general consensus is that it's probably a top 10 ballpark in offense, maybe higher. I think I think I saw higher numbers than that in the power category. I think the bottom line is it's, it's going to be an offensive environment, however much is, you know, to be determined. But it is going to be an offensive environment. And with all the weapons that the Blue Jays have offensively, it's exciting to add those guys thinking that their ballpark is going to help them and not hurt them. With Oracle in San Francisco, Ray, are you, because we've seen this in fantasy drafts in years previous. It's like, oh, I'm just going to take the guy. He's with the Giants, right. you know, because of the ballpark. And we've certainly seen it with streaming. Um, early in the season, are you still playing it that way? Or, I mean, do you still say, oh, no, the reputation is it's a pitching heavy ballpark. And I don't really care what happened last year. I'm still streaming this way. I, I may be even still grabbing guys to pitch in games at San Francisco. Is is that how you're going to treat it in the early going? I think for me personally, that's how I'm going to treat it. I'm going to look at last season and just kind of write it off for the time being. Yeah. The last five years, Oracle Park has been 3% less than league average in runs scored. Okay. Last year, it was 5% higher. Doesn't sound like a huge difference, but that you know, moves, moves the, the, the park from you know, 25th to 12th. Like It's a big difference. And we have multiple things going on here. One, we didn't have the weather. To, all the stuff I mentioned, let's just say that. All the stuff I mentioned, and they did change the park last year in San Francisco. They took the bullpens, which were on the side of the field, and they put them out behind the, the, the outfield walls. I don't think that alone explains it. So, you know, we do have everything. We do have a little bit of a change of dimensions. It's still huge out in right center field and all that. My inclination would be to look here in San Francisco and say that it's still a quote unquote pitcher's park. I don't look at it as aggressively as I would have in the past. I'm going to, I need more data to make that determination, but I'll still say it's a bottom half offensive environment. We shall see. That's the only thing we can do. We have to watch at least a season of games to uh, kind of see if, some of our guesses are correct, or if we have to readjust uh, with a few of these ballparks uh, going into 2022 and beyond. Uh, let's go from the six hole to the seven spot in our starting nine today. And this is something we'll uh, kind of feature over the next couple of weeks, certainly as uh, you out there in uh, podcast land start to uh, get more heavy into your drafts. Uh, we'll, we'll call it target practice. And, and what I've got is, you know, you're, you're looking for such and such in round such and such. And here are three options. Which of these three options fit the search better? And we're not going to really talk about rounds one through five. Uh, we're going to go a bit deeper um, just to kind of play a game in the fantasy world that you may be facing in reality, looking at things in the 11th round, the 25th round, the, the 18th round, and maybe who to look at and uh, who to select for a certain role. Um, so we'll, again, we'll be doing this pretty well every podcast from here until the start of the season on April 1st. Um, let's get some examples here, Ray. Um, let's say a fantasy player is looking for an SP4 in round 11. Um, so this would be their fourth pitcher. And I'm looking at ADP, so I'm kind of trying to, to spotlight some guys who could actually be there in round 11 based off of NFBC ADPs. And Ray, I'm coming up with the three M's. Um, you've got Charlie Morton available. You got Lance McCullers available. You have Joe Musgrove available. It's round 11, looking for an SP4. 
Uh, who is the guy that you're selecting from that trio? It's interesting. I woke up on Monday morning and I made some adjustments at the rankings at Fantasy Guru, and I, I dropped one of the guys on this list um, behind the other two, actually. Made some adjustments after the last couple of days and analyzing things. So as of right now, uh, I think the best option is Joe Musgrove. Morton and McCullers both have workload concerns. I guess everyone kind of does this year. But Morton and McCullers have a little bit of workload concerns, injuries and all that. And, and I think Musgrove is, I'm not predicting that full on breakout that we've been waiting for for years, but he's in a good environment in San Diego. He's in a positive environment. Just think you got out of Pittsburgh to go to San Diego. The team is different. No offense, Pittsburgh, but San Diego is beautiful. Um, I'm going to say Musgrove here, Kyle, uh, four pitches that he can turn to and the durability factor that the other two seem to be lacking. You know, for me personally, Ray, um, you know, again, looking at SP4, the way I personally put things together, and I think you're, you're similar here, but in, in my plan would say, give me three pitchers, my first three SPs, um, who are fairly sturdy. I don't go with a lot of, uh, not lottery tickets, but I don't go with guys that are being drafted because of their ceiling. It's like a Blake Snell. He's, he's fine. He's good. He's an SP1 slash two, but he doesn't really fit the way I like to build the staff. So my expectations, my first three guys are are rather, for lack of a better term, ordinary, boring, whatever, you know, just kind of guys take the ball every five days. If I had that set up, Ray, and I was looking at this SP4, I probably would go McCullers Mm -hmm. and take a shot on the big arm, take a shot on it finally clicking. You know, and if I get with my SP4, Ray, if I got double digit wins and like a 3-6 ERA, and a, and a good whip around one, one, five or one, two with like nine and a half, 10 Ks that I'd really dig that for my SP four. And that is McCullers. But, mm-hmm. and, and as you know, the risk is his injury history. I mean, th- this guy just doesn't pitch deep. Uh, Houston's kind of counting on him all of a sudden. Um, but Ray, it's, it's kind of like an SP four. If I'm safe with my first three, I'll kind of go for that home run, maybe with my fourth guy at the starting pitching spot. Yeah. And that's why this is always so fun. And while it's, it's always kind of frustrating as the analyst side, because you get the question all the time in the chat room at Fantasy Guru, on Twitter, at Baseball Guys, you get the question like, oh, A or B? And it's like, well, A, but what does your pitching staff look like? You know, did you take chances early? Did you go safe early? A lot of times people, I think they struggle with the idea of we're, we're building an entire unit and or it's just, you know, it's easy to say A or B, right? Give me an answer. It's not always that simple. Um, those three pitchers, Morton, McCullers, Musgrove, are all very close in the rankings at Fantasy Guru. They're all in the same tier. So they're, I can't make a definitive argument for any of the one over the other. They're all kind of the same. I don't disagree with your analysis. If you wanted to go with McCullers, I'm okay with it. Okay. Time now to move to our eighth spot in the order of today's starting nine. And again, we'll do more of those target practices as we go through the preseason. But The A spot is always held by our random reference. We head over to baseballreference.com. We click their uh, random page link, and we just see what pops up. Um, Could be a player, could be a game, who knows, could be a manager. Um, Our only rule is it's got to be from the fantasy era, which for our purposes is 1980 to the present. And uh, Ray, a couple of clicks here, a couple of misses, but on our third click, we get one that works. And it's a game. It's a ball game. We're getting a lot of these, but we I are. guess, hey, there's, there's millions of like game pages at Baseball Reference, not as many player pages. Um, this is from April 2nd of 1997. Uh, going way back here, Ray. Uh, early season. Montreal. Remember Montreal, Ray? I Remember do. Montreal yes. 
Absolutely. Oh, boy, there, there are listeners out there who don't remember that. That's crazy, huh? Yes. Um, the, <laughs> the Montreal Expos, the second game of that 1997 season, defeating the St. Louis Cardinals by a score of four to one. Uh, so my Cardinals, that was my team back in 1997, losing to the Expos. And man, I'm looking at this Cardinals team, some fun names, uh, Delino DeShields, Willie McGee, Brian Jordan, Ron Gant, Gary Gaetti, uh, John Maybe. But but on the Expos side, Ray, some fun names too. And, and I got to say, I kind of remember, not this specific game, but as soon as I looked at this Expos lineup, Ray, and kind of knowing where I was in 1997 thereabouts, because that, that, that's my senior year of high school. So you kind of remember things. I actually remember this start by Henry Rodriguez in 1997, um, who had the nickname O. Henry with the Montreal Expos. And they would throw O. Henry bars the on bars. the field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was like huge for a couple of years, like 96, 97. And in this particular game, he was huge again. He was hitting cleanup for the Expos and uh, hit a home run off Lance Painter. Also had a double and a triple off of Mark Petskyvik. That's a tough one to say. Nice. But Henry Rodriguez, right? This is pretty wild. Like 1996, 97, the guy's a journeyman for like five years. But he went bonkers for the Expos in 96 and 97, combining for 62 homers, 186 ribbies. Uh, He struck out a ton, which back then people didn't get away with that. Uh, He got MVP votes. He made an all-star game. Like he was a thing for the Expos in in the 96-97 season. He was a thing. And there was a run there about four four years that he was, you know, a good producer, right? He was a fifth outfielder type in the fantasy game, if you will. Um, I remember the Expos. I'm going a little rogue here, Kyle. I remember the Expos. You have the Seattle Mariners cap that you've had uh-huh. forever, right? Uh, with the trident on it and the whole thing. My brother had an Expos hat. No idea why. We'd never been to Canada. Our family's not from Canada. We were Giants fans. He had an Expos hat, like, from the age of 10 through college. That's the first one. And the second one, you mentioned Brian Jordan, and I'm going really rogue here. Um, one of my best friends in college, uh, after college, um, had a business trip in Atlanta. And he was out there dancing with this very attractive woman at the club. And he kept, I wasn't there, but he, you know, he's telling the story. He kept coming back to my friends that were there and be like, dude, this gal's all over me. <laughs> this girl's, I mean, look, look, dude, she's digging me. And so he, he danced with like a half hour. Well, turns out it's Brian Jordan's woman. Okay. And we, no, he didn't know it at the time. He goes, all I know is I see this dude walk in and he's huge and he looks like a bull. He is pissed off. And I'm realizing as he's coming toward me, oh my God, that's Brian Jordan. He's playing football back then too, right? Oh my God, that's Brian Jordan. He's going to kill me. My only chance at life is to punt this guy in the balls and run. No and hope, way. And hope that I hit him hard enough that I can outrun him because obviously <laughs> he's and he he's like, I you should have seen the ducking and my friends like was a judo guy and the whole thing. But it's so funny. He's telling the story about like I thought for a moment I was dead because Brian Jordan's gal was into me. So so he didn't unleash the kick to Brian Jordan's nuts, though, no, right? He he didn't. His dad, okay. by the way, uh from South Korea, his dad was the judo champion of the country. So he, <laughs> my friend, did have some moves, but it's Brian Jordan. So, no, he didn't. He was able to slide out without getting murdered, but he was extremely nervous there for about a minute and a half. I enjoy this random reference. Now, yes, here's yeah. here's a follow-up on Brian Jordan. Yeah. One of my prized possessions is my uh, authentic Brian Jordan St. Louis Cardinals uniform, the old number three in the home whites. 
Nice. One of my favorites. Nice. Absolute hit. So there you go. That is our random reference for today, uh, April 2nd of 97. Expos 4, Cardinals 1 from the Stade Olympique. Olympic Stadium, as we say, uh, south of the border. Uh, Ray, we'll finish things off with the final batter in our starting nine. The number nine spot is always reserved for our stamp of approval. Uh, something, anything that you uh, th think deserves a little love, that I think deserves a little love. What gets your stamp of approval on this edition of the Baseball Elite Podcast? Uh, by the way, uh, Austin Riley is off the COVID list for the Braves, and I bring that up because we talked about him earlier in the podcast, and because, Kyle, his birthday, April 2nd. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Oh, it's, all, wow. it's all coming together today. Holy cow. This yeah. is a weird day. Yes. Um, stamp of approval goes to log cabins. <laughs> um, I, I'm, you know, I, I went out this weekend. There's a log cabin that's about, I don't know, it's probably 20 miles from where I live up in the mountains. It's like an hour drive because you can't go 10 feet without the road turning. But I drove out there to look because my significant other, we're, we're staying in the Bay Area, right? And my dream of living in the mountains or on the beach is kind of on hold a little bit because she needs to be here for work. So she said, hey, Ray, there's an actual log cabin, not a house made out of wood, an actual log cabin uh, up in the, in the hills uh, above Woodside here. So I went and look, took a look at it yesterday, Kyle, as a potential investment, as a weekend getaway. I'm not going to the Hamptons. I might be mm -hmm. going to the hills in a log cabin. Oh, I, I like that idea. So it, it was up the snuff. Is it a recently built log cabin or has it got some history? To yeah, it? it's like 15 years old. So no, it's okay. it's, it's new. Um, got four and a half acres of land too, which for around here is a you know, big deal. So uh, I went and took a look at it. We'll see if it comes to fruition or not. Well, I, I ask how old it is, Ray, because that leads to my stamp of approval. Yeah. Um, I, I live in a house that's nearing 100 years old here in the Midwest and it's a great house and everything works well. And we've been here about four years or so. But Ray, um, you know, we do have to occasionally uh, clean out the pipes, you know, you know, I don't call Roto-Rooter, I do it myself. Okay. So I just want to give a shout out, a stamp of approval. And I, I buy this at the Home Depot. I'm sure it's available everywhere. But the Drain Weasel, oh, the Drain Weasel is it's, it's like five bucks. Now, you only get two Drain Weasels. And, and for the most part, they're kind of a one use thing. Uh, but the drain weasel, Ray, you, you just put it down the pipe. It, it comes with a little handle that you can twist. Mm -hmm. So as you twist, you pull up and it's got some uh, almost like barbed uh, catchers to pull up all the, the guck, right. the hair in effect out of the drain. And I know I'm getting way too personal here, but I used the drain weasel today. We had a bit of a, a very slight backup in the, in the upstairs bathroom. And Ray, what it pulls out is utterly amazing. I will say that. <laughs> And it saves you about 150 bucks. Right. Um, and the drain weasel has always worked. And, and it usually, it's something I use. And again, it depends on the age of your house and stuff and the pipes and all this. But I think um, I probably use it once every four months. And, you know, it cleans it up, boom, ready to go. And, and the drain weasel costs $5, saves me a lot of time. It's, it's actually kind of satisfying to do it yourself. It's mm -hmm. easy. Um, and there are a few other brands like this. But Ray, I give my stamp of approval to the one and only drain weasel. Yeah, that used to be an issue for me when I had hair. Now there's much less to clean out of the gutter. But uh, yeah, I've got hair. That's kind of yeah. my wife has hair. So yeah, we got hair in the house. We do have <laughs> do have some hair weasel thing for the sink because I do have quite the beard. So I, I those things are, are cheap and they seem stupid. But yeah, they really work. Uh, we told you earlier in the show, we would uh, inform you as to how you can get our subscriber only podcast. This, this one on Monday is free. You can find it wherever you'd like. Uh, but we do do a podcast middle of the week and also one over the weekend. So if you are looking for that, Ray, it, uh, it comes as part of the subscription 
to Fantasy Guru. And uh, right now, uh, we got a special over there, don't we? I guess a code that gets you 10% off. Yep, the code that gets you 10% off, it's BLUE10, B-L-U-E, then the number 10. Uh, And it's available to be used on packages at Fantasy Guru. You can use it if you want to play DFS at Elite Fantasy. If you want to do some betting, Elite Sports Betting, all those can use the promo code BLUE10 for a discount. And uh, you can get the baseball and the football package together if you want at Fantasy Guru. You can do that right now. And just to let people know, uh, you get 365 days. So it's not just the season, it's 365 days. It's the calendar situation. So you're not missing out if you sign up now, you still get everything to this point next year. Yeah, the entire baseball and entire football season and then heck into the preseason next year with baseball. And again, use that code uh, BLUE10 and all the podcasts that Ray and I do, all three of them each and every week, uh, they are available when you are a subscriber. As we head out the pod door today, Ray, where can listeners find you? They can find me on Twitter at Baseball Guys. They can find me here with you on the podcast. And as you noted, three times a week here for subscribers to Fantasy Guru, you also get Wednesdays and Saturdays. Uh, You can find me at the chat room a lot at Fantasy Guru. We have a 24-hour chat room where you can leave your question and and get an answer, you know, probably within four or five hours in most instances and get a little bit more depth than you do if you ask something on Twitter. As for me, I'm going to be uh, probably searching for some more clogged drains that need to be attacked by the drain weasel. Wow. That's, that's what I'm going to be doing today. <laughs> I hope not. I'm not that into it. I don't want to become like a, a plumber in my office. <laughs> yeah, don't do that, guy. That's not my goal. Uh, that'll do it for us. That does it for the podcast. Hopefully, uh, we did it for you. We're going to see you later this week. Wednesday is when our next podcast will come your way right here on Fantasy Guru. Fantasy Guru.